All right, Pastor Matt. Yes. Hello, sir. Hey, good to see you again. What do you think about the Big Bang Theory? And you, and does this theory work with what the Bible says about creation? Yeah, so, um, man, easy question. You guys think you stumped me. So, <laughs> so here's the thing is, a lot of people don't realize, but the Big Bang Theory was originally... Uh, brought about by Christian scientists. People mm -hmm. don't realize that. Wow. Trying to um, come up with a scientific ex explanation for what Genesis uh, says. So a lot of Christians freak out. They think that, oh my gosh, this is taking things away from God. But here's what I want you to know. This is why the multiverse is so hmm. uh, popular today. Because what the multiverse is teaching is that time is eternal. Hmm. So the Big Bang says that's not true. Or at least the... the um, the theory of the Big Bang. And so what the Big Bang says is there was a time when there was no matter, there was no space, there was no time, and these things came out of nowhere. So the multiverse theory is that these things are simultaneously existing at all times. And so really what is eternal then is time in a, uh, a variety or a uh, an endless cycle. So there's a, a Donna in another universe mm -hmm. right now at this time. And, and so that's really their attempt to get away from the big bang theory. And so what's so funny about as Christians is oftentimes we fight and try to kill things that actually support our point of view. <laughs> so here's what Genesis says. Genesis chapter one says there was a time. See, I can't even say that. There was a time when time didn't exist. See, yeah. I can't even, there was I can't a even explain moment. It. There was yeah. a, before. but even that, yeah, yeah so, that's time. Right. So the first word in the Bible is Bereshit, which is two words. So B or Be, uh, which is the preposition of or from. So of or from, Sheet, um, Reshit, excuse me, uh, time, beginning, period of time. So in the beginning or of the beginning or from the mm. beginning, it's uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And so in Genesis chapter one, we have the beginning of time, mm -hmm. space, and matter. And what's so amazing about that is all three of those things have to be created at the exact same time. For example, you can't create matter without having a place to put it. Mm -hmm. If you don't have time, when would you put it? Right. So, so those things. And so that's why so many people who struggle with God is we're looking for evidence of God in his creation. And you need to know that God exists outside of his creation. That would be like us creating a program where they're trying to discover, um, you know, who Bill Gates is, the founder of Microsoft, inside the computer. He doesn't mm -hmm. exist inside the computer. He exists outside of it, and he has created those things inside that. And so that's what we need to understand. Having said that, the book of Genesis is poetry, and we may have two creation stories. Mm -hmm. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 may not be the same uh, creation story, but two competing understandings of creation within Judaism or within uh, the Middle Eastern understanding of religion and people try to make those two things fit. They seem to be two different accounts or two different mm -hmm. ways of teaching the origin. And so it's poetry. It's beautiful. Um, it's amazing. And so here's what you need to believe as a Christian. You don't need to believe in young earth. You don't need to believe in 6,000 literal years. You need to believe that in the beginning, whenever that was, wherever that, however that was, God created mm -hmm. everything. And so a lot of Christians get caught up uh, in, in the literal meaning of that. There's a great book by Dr. Selhammer, and it's called, I think it's called Genesis Unpacked. It's out of print. It's going to be like $200 for a book. <laughs> but uh, he was my uh, Hebrew professor in college, and his daughter went to MIT. Wow. And she really started struggling with, wait a minute, everyone at MIT is saying this is ridiculous. And so what he went back to is he went back to the original uh, Hebrew language. And he said, here's what it means. And so much of what we think it means has run through a filter of 2000 years of Western Greek, 
uh, and Roman philosophy. And so like in the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth and the spirit was hovering above the earth and it was null and void. Mm -hmm. That's not what it says in the Hebrew. It's tohu wabohu. And those words only occur in the Bible one other time. Mm -hmm. And it's when Jeremiah and the Israelites are fleeing Jerusalem that has been conquered by Babylon. And the Bible says that Jerusalem was tohu wabohu. Mm -hmm. So what he argues is that the earth is already present in Genesis 2 when the Holy Spirit is hovering above it, but it is not suitable for man, i.e. dangerous, mm -hmm. slash dinosaur, mm -hmm. slash you're getting eaten. <laughs> and so that there's a special act of creation there. Now, not everybody agrees with that, but he is or was, he's passed away now. He was the leading Hebrew scholar That's awesome. Uh, in the world. I mean, one of a handful of just brilliant, brilliant people. And he argued unsuccessfully for the change of Genesis chapter two to get rid of null and void, which is a Greek concept of creation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, tohu wabohu, when you only have a word that occurs twice in the Bible, it's difficult to grasp what that means. But his his take on it, and I'm gonna agree with him, he's a much better scholar than I am. He says, wild, not suitable, mm -hmm. dangerous. And so God begins to act on the earth in such a way to prepare it for uh, the, the the placement of Adam and Eve in the Garden mm -hmm. of Eden. And so there's a great book out called The Genesis Enigma. And it's an amazing book. And it's it's an an evolutionary uh, scientist who is re is recognizing that their theory of evolution seems to fit perfectly with Genesis, how things came about. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, his take on it is when God says, let there be light. And if you've ever noticed in Genesis 1, there's already a sun, there's already a moon, there's right. already a stars. So right, what does right. he mean? What he means by that, this this evolutionary psychologist is, it's the invention of eyes. Wow. Creatures did not have eyeballs. And so <laughs> the let there be light is the ability to see. <laughs> and so he runs through this evolutionary cycle where creation has to change. Because with the invention of eyesight, animals now have to camouflage. Mm -hmm. And so there's this repeated changing of what you see. That's so And cool. so, you know, whether you believe that or not, I thought it was a fascinating book. Again, God made it. That settles it. For me, how he did that, and, and, and this hmm. is so important. As Christians, we never get in theological trouble when we say, what did God do? What does God want me to do? We get in trouble and we argue when we say how. Mm -hmm. So how did God create the heavens and the earth? Okay, Genesis says what he did. He said, let there be light. And mm -hmm. so when we try to understand how in terms of time, the same thing comes with salvation. When we stick with what must I do? You must believe in the Lord mm. Jesus Christ and be saved. Now, when we start arguing about how does that happen, we have Calvinism, we have Arminism, mm -hmm. you know, we have what my, my personal view, which is traditionalism. Uh, you have the Catholic point of view, you know, you have once saved, always saved, not saved. So right. it just goes crazy um, when we begin to argue about how. And that's where we just have to, I think, punt to mystery. We don't understand mm -hmm. how God does things. Right. What we need to accept is, this is what God did. Yeah. God created the heavens and the earth. God has sent his son to save us. Uh, and, and I think we can answer the why because we sinned and we're fallen and he wants to save us. So really be careful theologically when you jump into the how. You're trying to, as Paul says, we see now things, um, you know. In a glass in a, Yeah, in a, in a poor mirror, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't see things the way that we want to see them. And so we're trying to understand beyond something what we can see. And that's where people get into the how and, you know, um, it just gets ridiculous. So I don't have any problem with Big Bang. Some people might be offended by that. But again, it's you're probably offended not because you've wrestled through it, but because someone has taught you to be offended. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Christians, I, I love Christians, we don't think through things well. 
and again, I think it's important that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We we are to think through things. Mm. You know, I had this wonderful stay-at-home mom. Um, I'm not going to throw out her hashed her 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 name on Instagram, Don't do it. but yeah, <laughs> she just she just slammed me because I preach on the uh, the enneagram from the pulpit, and she she just literally said, "Everyone stay away from this church." And so here's oh, wow. the thing: is we have misunderstood what it means to take every thought captive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have anything to do with lust. It has to do with philosophies and ideologies and thought processes. And so when I write a book, seeing the Enneagram from a biblical perspective, I am being obedient to the text that says, take every thought captive. And so what she's saying is, don't go to sandals because Pastor Matt has actually lived out (laughs) what the Bible says to do. We do not live in a Christian world. We live in a pagan world. Mm -hmm. We live in a world that has ideas and theologies and understandings and beliefs and philosophies. And we are to take those down and make them submit to Christ. And that's what I did in my book. And so what do non-thinking Christians do? Oh, that's what witchcraft. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the apostle Paul, when you read the book of Acts, he has to deal with witchcraft. I mean, it, he just does. And so I'm not saying you should practice it, but we take those things and submit them that's to right. Christ. And so that's I think good. that's really important. I think that's powerful. The how, I think yeah. if we think about it, that is what most of what the church is arguing about is right. the how we agree about so much. That's a powerful point. That's something I'm going to think through as well as we continue hopefully you guys think through that as well because that's yeah and so much of the councils you know the early councils we talked about the council of nicaea this is when we have stoic philosophy which Mm -hmm. is extraordinarily problematic most individuals are trained in stoic philosophy it's where we get a lot of our fatalism from determinism from these Mm -hmm. are greek and roman philosophical ideas and all religions run into and philosophies into determinism fate and i believe that you have a real choice to make. God God has sovereignly given you a choice to make to repent of your sins mm-hmm. and believe. I believe that's a real choice. But the Stoics, you know, they just they just believe that everything is determined and unfortunately that bled into Christianity in the 4th century and many Christians believe that too. And I think um what's the rap song God's plan? So that's stoicism. Hmm. So I'm not accountable for whatever I'm doing. It's God's plan. Right. So, (laughs) so God's plan. And what we do is what we're saying when it's all up to God is we completely divorce ourselves from any responsibility Mm -hmm. for the choices that we make. And that's not the scripture. I was talking with a guy who believes in fatalism. He would not agree with that, but I, he believes in fatalism. I said, then why does the word obey? Right. Why is there the word repent? Mm -hmm. Why do we have the word believe? Mm -hmm. What these words assume that you have responsibility, Mm -hmm. that you have choice and I think we punt to God's in control when we don't want to be accountable for what we're in control Absolutely. of. And I think this is this is why so many people are miserable is we're miserable because we can't control everyone else. And that keeps me from controlling myself. So isn't that the prayer of serenity? You know, God help me to control the things I can and to, to not deal with the things I can't and right. have the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Life is crazy. Um, it gets worse when you try to control everyone else, mm-hmm. but you don't control yourself. And so, again, that's why I believe that there's a judgment day because you mm-hmm. had a real choice. Yeah. You you had a real opportunity to do what's right, to repent and follow the Lord. And so, I mean, that was a big answer. But when we, when we get into how, that's where stoicism comes from. It tries to answer, it tries to answer the questions beyond the veil. Mm. You know, in the Wizard of Oz, it's who's behind the curtain? Mm-hmm. Well, 
Okay, it's God, but we don't know everything that he's doing. And sometimes we just have to punt to mystery. And that's okay because a God that you can completely understand and explain is not God. So true that. Yeah. Love it. I hope there's a big screen in television, like in television. I hope there's a big screen in heaven where we get to like rewatch stuff. Like I want to see creation. I'm hoping there's some things omitted. (laughs) (laughs) Not our personal lives, Jesus. Matt Matt Brown, the deleted years. (laughs) The deleted years. Love it. So good. Such a good word. Awesome. Hello and welcome to a new season of the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcaster, author, and Pastor Matt Brown debriefs current issues shaping our culture from a spiritual, biblical perspective. He answers all your questions about Christianity. Hello, I am Don Martin. I'm your host. Yeah, thank and you, I'm Donna. excited to yeah. be with you. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you all for um, watching, for sending in your questions. You can go to move.sc forward slash ask and ask any questions you have about Christianity, about the message. We love hearing from you. We love seeing your questions, even on YouTube. You can type in right there questions underneath the videos and we get those too. So we're so excited um, for all the questions that have been coming in. And this weekend we had an amazing message. Oh, thank you. I was super nervous about it. Okay. So pastor, my campus pastor, um, kept like, Oh, it might be a little controversial. And I was just waiting for the controversial part. And I thought that was on point. I don't know. And I'm not being flattering. Seriously. I thought it was really, really good. You preached a message called the gift of a godly marriage. Mm -hmm. And, um, many people even at our campus came down for prayer for their marriage afterwards. So that was really powerful. Can you just summarize what you taught about? Yeah, so the, the the whole point of marriage is that we as a couple are submitting to something and that, um, and again, for those who are listening that are of the LGBTQ community, I love you, uh, but God's vision for marriage is that a man and a woman would unite together yeah. and that those two who are very different mm-hmm. would become one. And that is a challenge. Yeah, And the only way that I believe that you can truly make that happen is to submit to something bigger than yourself. And Mm -hmm. that starts out with God submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so Mm -hmm. Tammy and I submit to each other out of reverence for God because it's an act of worship for us. And that's really, really hard to put God first. But when God's first in my life, I am able to put Tammy, my wife Mm -hmm. first in my life. And I just think so many people who call themselves Christians have never really thought through these things. They never really prayed for, through these things. And Christianity, unfortunately, for a lot of people who call themselves Christian marriages, it's just a label, mm-hmm. but it's not anything deeper than that. So I think the thing I was most intimidated with, Donna, was just the word submission. I think it's mm-hmm. it's a dirty word in our culture. It's been used to abuse women uh, in the past. I think it's been used to promote um, male chauvinism, mm-hmm. which is just disgusting and gross. And, you know, um, just because somebody has a penis doesn't mean they're superior. So your genitals don't determine your quality. Your quality determines your quality. Mm -hmm. And that's what God cares about. And God has brought these two together. And there's just so many things, you know, there's so many, there's so much of Jesus and the church intertwined in scripture. Many people miss that. Like, have you ever thought about this? So we were talking about Genesis at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. Where does God get the material to make Eve from in Genesis? Yeah, from Adam. From where? From his rib. From, from his the side. rib. Yeah. Where is Christ pierced? Yeah, in his side. In his side, in his mm-hmm. rib. It's a symbol of 
a new woman That's so being good. created. And who is she? She's the church. Yeah. And we're to love her, care for her, and present her to him as holy and blameless. And so many people miss that. Jesus is creating something new, mm. a, a new couple. And so if you're single, you don't have to be married. You're a part of this new marriage, mm. Jesus and the church. And, and again, in John, right, he breathes on them mm -hmm. just like the Lord breathes into Adam, yeah. creating a new man. God is creating a new human, people that are actually filled with his spirit mm -hmm. because of his son. And uh, Jesus is just so important to us because in Jesus, we see what we should be and what we could be if we just repented and trusted him. And it's a beautiful thing. So, um, you know, it's funny, uh, one of the campus pastors was said, I'm so excited you know, for this message this weekend, he and his wife got a huge fight on Saturday Oh night. no. <laughs> and he called me and he was like, Matt, he's, I, I'm just so bummed. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's what I would no say to, to anyone, uh, you know, Tammy and I have a great marriage, but we have really bad moments. Mm. And so what you have to do in those bad moments is take a step back and, and be thankful for the good moments and, and just know, okay, we're going to get through this. It is difficult to work through things in life. And and I wish that uh, Tammy and I were actually talking, we're going to do a marriage conference this next year together. Awesome. So um, I think, and, and we're going to talk about the things that I wish that we would have learned. And one of the things that I we were not good at at all was negotiating. Mm. How do you work through things that you disagree with? Mm -hmm. Well, the old fashioned idea is that the man is right and he makes the decision and that's dysfunctional. And then I think the modern view is you know, the woman is right mm -hmm. and that makes you dysfunctional. So how do you negotiate when you have two different perspectives, you come, you come at it from two different angles and how do you work through that in such a way where you honor each other mm -hmm. and you're loving to, to each other when you have a genuine difference in opinion mm -hmm. and those things happen. And that's been really, really challenging for me because I'm a really, really confident leader. And I think pretty quickly I'm right. Yeah. Uh, and, and here's the thing that I, and I hope Tammy would, I, I wanted her to be on this, the show for this question. Hopefully Tammy would say and agree that when I realize I'm wrong, I'm quick. Sometimes she's so fired up and in the middle of her rant, I'm like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I've realized it because being a three in the Enneagram has a lot of unhealthy things. One of the positive things is I don't care how we get the ball in the end zone. I just want it in there. And so mm -hmm. if I've messed up, it, it, it just, it does not bother me to say I was wrong, to say I messed that up. I did something um, that embarrassed my wife on Sunday. We were hanging out with some friends and I just said, she was halfway through saying what I did made her uncomfortable. And I said, I am so sorry. Mm -hmm. I, and she's like, no, you don't need to apologize. I'm like, actually, I really do. Mm -hmm. And it, what really bummed me out about it is I had just preached this great sermon on marriage <laughs> and I made a joke. My humor gets me in trouble. Mm -hmm. And and what she felt like was I made a joke at her expense. And the truth is she's right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why would I do that? Mm -hmm. It was so gross. And I was just so wrong. And unfortunately, she was so loving and grace-filled, which made me feel worse. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> she chewed your head off. You're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then I would say this for every couple. The best way to talk through things is to go for a walk. Never do it in mm, the car. Never good. do it in a closed, restrained place because things get, when you feel trapped, man, you just feel trapped. Mm -hmm. and, and here's what I would say is if I could go back, and we're going to talk about this at the, at the marriage conference, I would just begin with, hey, this is going to be tough. Mm -hmm. but I love you and I want you to hear this. Mm -hmm. And then, and then what you need to do neurologically is give them some time 
You can't just go, Donna, this is going to be tough. And then I slam you. <laughs> right. Like I need to give you in your brain time to process what yeah. I've just said and then brace for what I'm going to mm -hmm. say. Now don't say tomorrow or yeah. next week. Right. You say, you know, take 30 seconds. Are you ready? Okay, Donna, what you said really hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling unloved. I'm feeling underappreciated. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling what, whatever I'm feeling. But I give you, I give you the opportunity to process it. And I, and I feel like so much of fights in marriage are just the surprise. And the mm -hmm. reason it's a surprise is our, our partners and myself included wait until we can't take it Absolutely. any longer yeah. and we pop. And, and what I realized is I was storing up all these frustrations mm -hmm. and hurts. And then when I came at her, it just, it seemed so overwhelming and out mm -hmm. of touch. And then, right. When I started going into counseling, I realized so much of my frustration were wounds that had nothing to do with her, mm -hmm. but things that I experienced, things that I had felt, things that I didn't enjoy. And then she's she gets the wrath of that. And I see couples do this all the time. Your last spouse was unfaithful, but this guy's great. Mm -hmm. But you're constantly punishing him for what the dude that yeah. left did. Mm -hmm. and, and you're doing that to the guy who wants to stay. Yeah. I, I mean, right. that's a bad way to live life. So, so I just would say, this is so important. Uh, try to make, uh, we're hoping sometime in the, uh, in the spring, we're going to be able to do this maybe late winter, uh, have a day where we can come together, put it on your calendars. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me you can't get off work. Take yeah. time right. off work. Make sure you're there. Prioritize, prioritize, prioritize your marriage. If you don't do that, man, you're not going to make it yeah. because it's tough to grow together. It's, you know, Tammy and I, we've been together now, Donna, 30 years. That's awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> so, and I know we've only been married 26, but we dated almost four years prior mm -hmm. to that. And so, I, you know, I'm grateful for her. I, I still do not understand her. She does not understand me, <laughs> right. but but I think we can help each other. And, and, and again, she was talking about something that hurt her feelings last night. And uh, so much of what I follow on TikTok and Instagram is psychologists, therapists. I'm constantly looking for free counseling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, quit looking guys at girls dancing in their bikinis on TikTok <laughs> and find a therapist yeah. that will give you nuggets for free. And I'm constantly looking for that. And and one of the, the therapists that I find, she said this, she, they call them empaths. And I don't mm -hmm. like modern language. If you're sensitive, that's, yeah. what, <laughs> that's what an empath is. Um, but empaths have to have better boundaries. Mm-hmm. Because the more sensitive you are, the right. more boundaries you have to have. And, and by boundaries, I don't mean that you push everyone away mm -hmm. and are isolated, but you have real boundaries and you don't let people in. And so uh, my wife is far more sensitive than I am uh, relationally. I just said, we have to have healthier boundaries. And in ministry, Donna, yeah. in the name of Jesus, we had terrible, sinful boundaries. Absolutely. We let people in. And that has, you know, I think Tammy and I unhealthily, say, God, why did you allow this to happen? And I think the Lord would say, why didn't you have boundaries? Mm. And so um, that's one of the points in our new series coming up uh, in January. I can't remember which week it will be, but it's that true love can have real boundaries. That's good. And people fail to see the command, thou shalt not commit adultery, that real love has, true love has real boundaries. But that doesn't just mean sexual boundaries. It means boundaries mm -hmm. in everything. Mm -hmm. And some of us feel run over. We'll close the door. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's I think that's you. why the Enneagram has been so good. I mean, this isn't about the Enneagram 
and I know people have a lot of issues and, and sure. stuff with the Enneagram. But once I started seeing myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> last time we did the Enneagram, I really honed in on my five. Mm. And my husband was furious because <laughs> not I said, you should be happy because yeah. now we know what's wrong with yeah. me. you know. <laughs> and he just was like, you do this. You withhold. You yeah. withhold. And yeah. I'm like, I do that. Yeah. You know, and I think I, one of the things you said on Sunday was that. Uh, to recognize each other's strengths. Like, Mm -hmm. duh, you, neither one of us are good at everything. That's why the Lord put us together. Mm -hmm. And, and um, that has been so helpful in our communication for me to recognize I'm either afraid or I'm withholding or I am, and and he's a three. He says the same yeah. thing all the time, but he's a four too. So he's yeah. Oh, me too. Emotions. So he's tweaked like yeah. Me. Oh. <laughs> so, I'm but sorry, he'll Devon. say all the time, yeah. I don't care how who's right. I just want to get to the, yeah. the question. I, I the five. I'm like no, but I'm right. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I want to yeah. be right. So so good. I yeah. thought it was so good and so freeing for a healthy leader to explain submission the mm. way that you did. Yeah. Thank you. So. Well, and again, you know, I mean, unfortunately many pastors that preach are not healthy and Mm -hmm. I I wish that they were. And so, so oftentimes, you know, I follow this guy on TikTok that just constantly attacks the evangelical church. And I, and I just like, man, at best, any commentator that you hear talking about the church has a personal relationship with two or three churches. Yeah. And there are a hundred thousand churches in America. And so your sample size Mm. is so incredibly small Mm -hmm. and we gravitate to the pastors that blow it, the pastors that make mistakes. You know, Sandals Church has been a church for 25 years. Do you guys know that we have never had a major moral failure of any of our pastors? Praise God. Ever. Now I'm not saying we don't have idiots, (laughs) but- Think about that. Sandals Church has never had a scandal, Praise a moral God. failure, any of that. And here's what I want you to understand. That's the norm. That's the norm. Yeah, you're right. But we 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 find these articles, we find these news, you know, we hear these stories, we listen to media and we think, oh, this is everyone for all time. Mm-hmm. This is happening everywhere. This is the great problem of news mm-hmm. is that bad news travels mm-hmm. and good news does not get reported. And so, um, so anyways- that's my soapbox. Yep. So good. We're going to keep rolling because this next question is about the word submit. Okay. This is Anne from Europe. Hey, Anne from Europe. Hey, Anne, girl. Okay. Hi, Pastor Matt. In your message on marriage, you mentioned the word submit being used only once in the original Greek of the passage on husbands and wives. Right. Can you explain that point again and why that's important? Yeah. So if you have your Bibles and so if you're listening in the car, you're not going to be able to do this. Please you don't, don't. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be able to read Greek to see the problem that I'm talking about. Just go and, and um, I think Bible Gateway is a great source. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible app is another source and just go to Ephesians 5.15 and go look at 5.15 to 5.24 and just look at the different translations in where they start the paragraph. So 5.15 is a, is the beginning of the paragraph. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise. And so we're, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks for everybody that wants to get drunk on Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> so the question is, when is Paul's next major thought? So verse 21 creates a problem. Some people, and here's here's why, you know, paper is not is not expensive. We, we can put the beginning of the paragraph whenever we want. So in the Greek language, on our earliest manuscripts, the words are slammed together because both ink and paper are expensive. And they're trying to get as many words on the page as they possibly can. So they shove these words, you know, in, it's all in caps. 
And um, we're, we're, we're trying to understand. So this is not a question of what does the sentence say? This is the question of where does the sentence go? So where is Paul beginning? So, you know, like when you're in school, you have to have an introductory sentence to your paragraph, explain what you're going to say. You know, we go through all of that in English. Hopefully you learn these things and that a new paragraph expresses a new thought mm -hmm. a new thought process or a transition in what something you're trying to say. So you put a collection of sentences together that create a paragraph that are a cohesive thought. And then oftentimes there's a transition and you start a new paragraph. So the question is, does 521 submit to one another out of reverence for Christ Go with, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise. Hmm. Is this a statement for the church or is this a statement for marriage? Hmm. So here's the problem. If we say it's for the church, then we can't interpret 522 because it says wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. So we don't know what, what do you do, right. wife, what do you do mm -hmm. to your husband as unto the Lord? If 21 is with the section on marriage, then we know. Because 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. Mm. So the preceding verse is we, hmm. so you and I aren't married, right. we submit to Christ out of reverence. As we submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. So that could be in the church. Mm -hmm. In the church, we look for opportunities to submit. But in marriage, wives, this is what's important. You're not submitting to all men. Right. You're submitting to your own, mm -hmm. to your own as to the Lord. And this is radical 2,000 years ago because a woman is seen as an equal in the church. Mm -hmm. But in her marriage, she is to submit to Christ as they are submitting to each other out of reverence for Christ. And that's why it's so important. Where does 21 go? So when you look at multiple translations, they're gonna move 21. They're gonna move it up into the passage on the church. Mm -hmm. They're gonna move it down, what I said into a separate paragraph, or what I'm looking right now is the NIV and the TNIV. So look at this, Donna. They just put it in the middle as it's standalone. Because <laughs> they can't decide. So oh, wow. we have we have Ephesians 5.15. That's why you need to look at it. Look at 21 mm -hmm. is all by itself. Submit to one another. Yeah, and then we have 22 together. Huh. And so you're going to see 21 in multiple English translations. And this is because committees are arguing about where this goes. And ultimately... I think my argument is persuasive. I think the NIV and the TNIV punted here mm -hmm. because they just said, okay, we're not sure where it goes. And the truth is it goes up and down. I was going to say, don't, yeah. I mean, and what it says in the lower passages is something that you really emphasize is the mystery of how this is Christ in right. the church. So then it could go to both. We're yeah. talking about Christ in the church. Let's submit to one another in church. Let's submit to one another in our marriages. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, again, because we've looked at 522, wives submit to your to your own husbands unto the Lord. Think about how abusive that passage has been used historically because it's its own sentence. The problem is the word submit is not in there. Hmm. So the only way that I can use, I can put the word submit in there in 22 is if I borrow it from 21. Every I, I am unaware of any English translation that does not put submit in 22. And so what that means is every scholar, so I study the Bible, I'm not a scholar. Every scholar is saying what I'm saying. It's borrowing from 21. So these two have a relationship together that's so important. And so uh, this is extraordinarily difficult. And, and what I would say for anyone, never marry someone that you could you could never submit to. Mm -hmm. Just don't marry them. And, mm -hmm. and you need to think about that. Could I follow this person? And people, you know, attraction is such a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in our, our modern culture, we, we don't listen to parents at all. Mm -hmm. Like the people that have loved you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, raised you, been there for you. So many young people, well, I'm going to go out on my own and make the most important decision of my life without any parental consent. And it's like, look, you don't realize 
how difficult marriage is. This is why culturally we're so bad at marriage mm-hmm. that we need people that says, hey, here's, there's some personality differences mm-hmm. here. We, you know, we have some concerns. There's some brokenness here. And, and love is not enough. Love will not overcome brokenness, right. sinfulness, mm-hmm. bad habits. Um, it, it, it won't overcome those things. And so, you know, when I'm preaching on marriage, here's one of the things I didn't say, Donna, is early on Matt Brown preached on marriage assuming that everybody was coming from a place of health. Yeah. That's a mistake when you mm-hmm. preach. Some people are in abusive, harmful relationships and they need to get out. Some people are just, there, there's addiction issues mm-hmm. that's happening. There's rampant lying, mistrust. And so for a woman to hear, and I hear this all the time, unfortunately, mm-hmm. from really bad pastors. Hear what I say to our pastors all the time. You're not a counselor. Yeah. You don't have a degree in therapy. And I think... Pastors make huge mistakes Absolutely. when they assume they're professionally trained right. therapist. You are not. Stop acting like you are. We give pastoral counsel, but we don't always have all the information and we all have bias. So um, we have to be very, very careful. And so what I would say to a married couple is assuming that you have a semi-healthy mm-hmm. marriage, it's important that you learn to submit to each mm-hmm. other. And if a wife is in a situation where she's just being a stubborn, you know what? Mm-hmm. Look, come on. Yeah. You got to submit. Yeah. Stop busting this guy. Uh, I was going to say something really inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> busting his testicles. It. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop doing that. Because oftentimes women can really grind a man down and Absolutely. just destroy him. And, and here's what I would say. If you're married to a, a decent person, this is the best way to go. If, if there's addiction, if there's brokenness, if there's abuse, you need to get help. Mm-hmm. Let's not worry about submitting to each other. You need to come to the church. You need to get counseling. You may, I just counseled a, a woman last week to leave her husband. She went back to him. <laughs> she did the opposite. Yeah. I, I, I've literally read to her. She said, well, he, he says he loved me. I read first Corinthians 13 to her. Yeah. I said, tell me which one of these things mm-hmm. he does for you. Mm-hmm. Cause actually he was the exact opposite. Love is not rude. He was rude. Love Keeps no record of wrongs. This guy has a notebook full of everything that's wrong with it. I mean, mm-hmm. and I, I read this to her and she still went back. Yeah. But I know she got counsel from another pastor who said, you need to be a good submissive woman. I'm like, geez, hello, 1955. <laughs> and, and again, I had, I'm not saying that she had to get divorced. I'm just saying this is get not out. healthy. Yeah. This is, you need to get out and get away. And the sad thing that broke my heart is he didn't repent and she went back. He was not sorry. And I just was like, whew. Okay, here we go. So you got to be really, really careful and also be so careful when you're giving advice to your friends mm-hmm. because couples that are lying to each other are probably not telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. I've learned that the hard way. Man, I I just got burned so bad by this about a year ago, a good friend of mine, and I trusted them and mm-hmm. they were lying to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it, it really, uh, I had to go back to their partner, their, their, their uh, spouse and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Wow. I was wrong. I got, I got fooled mm-hmm. and it happens. And I, and I would love to say that it, it doesn't, but it does. Yeah. People are really good at lying. <laughs> and I just would, man, trust, trust is a hard thing to earn and an easy thing to lose. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. So good. I, so man, that's why there's my answer. That was good. I thought it was great. All right, here we go. We've got another one. This is kind of a shift from what we were talking about now with uh, submission, but it says growing up in the church, I've always heard about the age of accountability, Mm -hmm. meaning that very young children will die 
Oh, sorry. Who die still go to heaven despite never having accepted Jesus. I've struggled to find evidence of this in the word and would love to hear your, your thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, you and every other theologian for the last 2000 years. <laughs> so the Bible doesn't answer every question. And this is actually what led Augustine, um, to invent Calvinism. A lot of people don't realize that Calvin is borrowing from Augustine's theology, as is Martin Luther. A lot of people don't realize that Martin Luther, the Catholic priest who started Lutheranism, was an Augustinian monk. A lot of people don't realize that or know that. And so the thing that was really bothering um, Augustine, so Augustine believed in regenerational baptism. So what is that? You are not saved unless you're baptized. Sandals Church does not believe that. Nothing you do saves you. Mm -hmm. Only what Jesus does saves you. So where do I get my evidence for that? The thief on the cross. That That's pretty clear. You know, he is very clearly in heaven. Jesus said he is. Yeah. So he did not get baptized. Uh, Augustine was wrestling with, so you and Devo have a baby. Mm -hmm. The baby's not going to make it. Mm -hmm. You can't get the baby to the bishop. And the baby right. dies before it's baptized. What happens? Mm -hmm. So it created this, this angst. It created this wrestling. And he really began to wrestle with that. And ultimately, he just came out with, well, God's in control. And he's already decided which babies go and which babies don't, which I just reject. Actually, um, you know, uh, Calvinists uh, wrestle with this. And so um, who's the breathy guy? pastor, um, <laughs> famous Calvinist, John Piper. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Just listen. <laughs> so I, I love to read John Piper. I can't, I can't listen. It's too, it's too breathy for me. Um, you know, he's, he's agreed with me on this and, and actually, um, another Calvinist, who's the guy in LA, the famous one, uh, oh, John, John MacArthur. MacArthur. Oh, so, because, so we're, so how do we come up for an answer for this? And so this is interesting, you know, theologians from across the spectrum agree on this. And and so here's here's my theological reasoning that I, I didn't invent myself. I actually learned from those guys and appreciated their thinking. So in, in the wilderness, when the people of God sin, God does not hold the children who mm -hmm. could not make a decision accountable. Only the adults die in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. So that's the basis. That's the best I've got. Yeah. That's the best we have. But I think that it holds true to uh, the goodness of God. God is not going to hold a child accountable. So here's the theological problem uh, for the Calvinist. So Calvinists believe in T, total depravity. You are dead in your sins. Mm -hmm. So what that means is they believe a child when it's born is a sinner. Mm -hmm. That So that creates a problem. Right. I would say that that is not what the early church taught, that uh, a child is born under the curse of sin, mm -hmm. and that child has a propensity towards sin, that if they live long enough, right. they will sin. Right. But an infant is not mm -hmm. uh, totally depraved. Yeah. And um, so because of that, there is a point where the child can learn right and wrong and can choose to repent of their sins mm -hmm. and follow Christ. And so up into that point, theologically, I would say God is good. God is just. Mm -hmm. He is not going to hold a child accountable eternally for sins they never committed. Mm -hmm. So 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 even if you even if you say that child is, even if you hold to total depravity, even if that child is a sinner, what sin did they commit? Mm -hmm. 
they whined. They were hungry. Right. They right. can't express themselves. Right. They poop themselves. <laughs> like you get into you get into a real difficult challenge, and so um, theologians don't agree on what it means to be a sinner from birth. And so uh, some people are going to say, "Well, the, you know, David says I was a sinner from you know my mother's womb," and and that verse was not interpreted to mean totally depraved until Augustine. So, and just to put it in that perspective, that's four hundred years. Mm-hmm. Four hundred years theologians looked at that verse and didn't say, no, 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 this child is born totally a sinner. Um, you know, and so then there's all kinds of weird theological arguments, but we really have to wrestle with, you know, Adam's sin affected us, Yeah. but I am not going to be judged because of Adam's sin. I am going to be judged because of my Mm -hmm. sin. Mm -hmm. Now in Adam, because I am biologically related to him and I live on earth, he brought all of creation fell. Right. So the earth fell, uh, Adam and Eve fell, sin came upon us. I'm affected by sin. Mm-hmm. I will sin. I do sin. Those things happen as a human being. But a but a baby, you just yeah. really, really need to think through this because um, would a loving and just God mm-hmm. send an infant to hell? And that's a whole nother discussion. So much of what we believe about hell is is really not biblical. It's comes to us from medieval understandings of torment and just grotesque um, pictures of, of, of what it means to suffer. I mean, those ideas come really from outside of what the Bible says. Um, and just so you know, there, there are a multitude of theologies on what hell is. Not all Christians believe in eternal damnation. Some believe in extermination, like you, you you're, you're done. You're done. So, um, you know, and there's a great book out there. I, I, I haven't read it in years, but it's called Multiple Views of Hell. I'll have them put that in the show notes. I probably read it 20 years ago, but it but it really, really kind of opened my mind to their, their different understandings of hell. And so, um, again, we if we jump into the how, we get into trouble. Right. What will happen? You will be judged and God will separate you from himself. How does that happen? I, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Here's all I know. Jesus said, you don't want to go there. Right. It would be better for you to lose an eye, cut off your hand, right. than to go there. You don't right. want to go there. So I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fantasize right. about how, how, and what that might be like. I'm going to trust Jesus. I don't want to go there, and that it's infinitely better to be in the presence of the Lord. David said, "Better to be one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere." Mm-hmm. So it is amazing. So that's that's a great that's great good. question. That's a hard question, and it's yeah. good. And I've I heard it. You know, there people have come up with different numbers for what that is. But I think your perspective of when he can understand and mm-hmm. learn and know to repent or not, I think that's powerful. Yeah, yeah. Well, like in, so in I, in my Baptist church, you know, they would not baptize a child, mm-hmm. um, and this is very different if you grew up Catholic. Um, you know, uh, they would not baptize a child until they could articulate sin. Right. And faith. Mm -hmm. And that's different for each kid. Mm -hmm. Some kids are more advanced than others. And so, um, you know, my dad was a pastor and he used to say this, that we give as much of ourselves as we understand to as much of God as we understand. That's good. And that's just, that's just different for, for everybody. And it's important. And so again, here's what I want you to hear me say within that, which is Christianity, there are multiple ideas that are okay to have Mm -hmm. and are um, orthodox, but not orthodoxy. So what do I mean by that? So if you're Catholic, you were raised to believe that everyone should be Catholic. So the word Catholic means true, Mm -hmm. the true church. 
then, well, then there's a whole group of Catholics that split off from them <laughs> called the Orthodox Church, and Orthodox means right or correct. So we, you know, Catholic or is it? I can't remember the universal. I may, I may be wrong, but they argue over who's right or whatever. So orthodox means true or correct. Mm-hmm. Orthodoxy means, man, you got to believe this. So mm-hmm. what is orthodoxy in Christianity? Jesus Christ is God's one and only son. Mm-hmm. If you disagree with that, you're out. Orthodox is there are multiple opinions within the context of what it means to be a Christian that you can believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you grew up in a church where... Um, you know, tongues was was practiced. Mm-hmm. That is orthodox, but it's not orthodoxy. In other right. words, every Christian does not have to practice Correct. tongues in order to be saved. Right. Uh, and there are Christians that, you know, hold to the fact that that doesn't work anymore. I would still consider them, I disagree with them, but I would still consider them the Christians, church. Yeah. yeah, Christians. So um, we have to be really, really careful that we don't, you know, major on the minors, I guess mm-hmm. you should say. And so, you know, this is just one of those issues where we, we really don't have good scripture. I think I've given you my best shot. You that know, was great. You know, in, in um, the wilderness, what God did, but ultimately God is good and God is just. Absolutely. And I, I don't, I don't fear the Lord um, judging in an unfair way. You know, Charles Spurgeon's mother said to him, the famous Baptist preacher from uh, England, she said, on the day of judgment, the Lord will judge you, my son, and I will say amen, amen, amen. Mm-hmm. And she said, it is not because I don't love you, but I love the Father, and he is good, mm-hmm. and his judgment that's will great. be true. I don't scare you, man, if you have that mom. <laughs> but, but that's, that's the good. thing is, when we witness the judgment, we will all accept what we have received mm-hmm. because God is the perfect judge. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all, there, there, there won't be a jury trying to weigh evidence. The evidence will be presented mm-hmm. as fact, mm-hmm. like as fact. You know, we, we say in, in our court of law, you know, beyond reasonable doubt, mm-hmm. man, there will be no doubt. Everyone will know exactly what you did, said, and what happened. And God's judgment, we will all agree. Yep, that's, that that's is right. right. That is good because God is the righteous judge. And so, man, great question. That was great. Yeah. That, that. I'm like the fear of the Lord, like Amen. that, 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 uh, that little piece right there made me go, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, he is awesome. So, um, you know, in your tradition, um, you know, with like Tammy Faye and Jim Baker. Oh Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, you know, I was watching this special on him and then they were asking him <laughs> why, why did he get to where he was? Yeah. And he said, I forgot to fear, the, fear Lord. the Lord. I forgot to fear the Lord. And a lot mm-hmm. of Christians are really uncomfortable with that, but the fear of the Lord is the natural response to who That's God is. That's right. So it's 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 not just like we worship God, just like we proclaim that God is love, we must in the same token proclaim that God is to be feared. Now, the Hebrew word doesn't translate perfectly into English fear, so mm-hmm. but you know some some commentators say we should translate it awesome, but that does not communicate at all. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, this this idea to to be in the presence of something terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why C.S. Lewis makes Aslan this scary lion. Mm-hmm. You know, and remember the, the little girl, is he scary? And the beaver says, of course, <laughs> yeah. he's a lion, right. Right. you know? Yeah, but, but she, and then he says, but he is good. He's good, yeah. And so God is terrifying. God scares the devil to death. Yeah, absolutely. But he is good, so. So good, yeah. love this. Okay, Love this question. And that was from Tim in Oklahoma City. I don't think I even said, but thank you, Tim, for that yeah, question. Wow. That was powerful. We we appreciate that. We love that perspective too, Pastor Matt. Um, this is from Joanna in Calamesa. 
And she says, my question is about tithing. Mm. I've been consistently tithing to my home church for a couple of years now. It took many years for me to be consistent because of the terrible financial habits that my husband and I had. This is a long one. So the consistency is a positive change, but we are still not tithing a full 10%. We feel we are giving an amount that we feel comfortable with considering our financial situation. My question is, should I take the leap of faith and give the 10% even if I know that means we won't have enough for other bills and responsibilities. Also, Sandals is not my home church. So I have not been tithing here, but I do listen online frequently. And I feel that I get so much out of the content here. Should I be splitting my tithe between churches? Wow. Okay. So first uh, piece is, should she take the leap of faith and give the 10% knowing that her bills may not be paid? Yeah. So uh, no, you need to make sure that you take care of your bills. And so let me say this, you don't have to tithe. Tammy and I don't tithe because we have to. We tithe Mm, because we get to. That's good. It's something that we love doing. I do not consider it a bill. I cannot, I can never repay God for what he did for me. So let me run real quickly why I'm a tither. Uh, Many people say we're not under the law. Fine. Tithing predates the law. Mm -hmm. So the first person to tithe is Abraham, and he tithes to a priest called Melchizedek. And Jesus is a priest, not in the line of Aaron. Aaron is under the law. Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And so I am not going to give my Lord less than what Abraham gave Mm -hmm. Melchizedek. And I'm just not going to. And so by the way, Tammy and I, we do not give 10%. I think we're at about 13% now, but we're able. Our kids are through college. Mm -hmm. Well, we have one left, but (laughs) both my girls are married. We're able to be more generous. And I love to be able to give um, to as many things as possible because the Bible says it is better to give than receive. And and I just, I just, I love that. I love to be able to give to things that that I feel like God blesses. So what I would say is what you guys really need to do is sit down and repent, not about tithing, but about your spending. Mm-hmm. You guys have a problem. You need to write that. And it, and here's the thing. It's a whole lot easier to write that than we all want to agree. You can spend less and you can find ways to make more. And there are seasons for this. When I started Sandals Church, I worked three jobs and went to school full time. I don't want to hear about how you can't make it work yeah. in 40 hours a week. I did whatever it took to make it work. That was my commitment to my wife. Um, We had two little girls. My wife said she was done working. I said, okay, I took on another church. A lot of people don't know that about (laughs) Sandals, but I took on another church in Sandals Mission Viejo and they doubled my income. I pastored two churches for two years. It was not easy. Not but I all. did that. I did uh, Sandals Church Mission Viejo on Sunday mornings, and wow. I did Sandals Church, the Hunter Park campus at Cal Baptist on Sunday nights. And I did that because that's what we do to make it work. Hmm. And, um, you know, you live in the United States of America. It is the greatest country on earth to make money. It is the easiest place on earth to make money. The problem is not money. The problem is your spending. And so you need to repent and tell God, okay, where, where, what do we cut out? Start with your $7 coffees. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my wife and I, the other day, we had to have a come to Jesus moment about like all the channels we're subscribing to. Yeah, like, I'm like, okay, yeah. Oh my gosh. And we've got to go through and remanage that because that's just money wasted. Mm-hmm. So, so go through that, look at that. And then what I would do is I would set a deadline for your tithing. And then I would set a progressive That's growth good. towards that. So here's my goal. You know, like for example, you don't go to the gym in one day and get in shape. You're not going to get in financial shape in one day. Set a goal. We have a, a great program here at Sandals Church. Is it still called financial peace? Mm-hmm. So we have financial peace. We do charge for that. People are always like, why? You don't appreciate what you don't pay for. I learned years ago, if I give it to you for free, you waste my time. Drives me crazy. We used to, (laughs) we used to scholarship people for the marriage getaway. And then they wouldn't go. They didn't show. Yeah. 
When and you pay, I, you pay and attention. I had to pay. I had to pay the hotel for a room <laughs> that it. couples didn't show up to. I lost <laughs> my mind. So, um, yeah. So we just quit. We just quit doing full yeah. scholarships because I, I just, I just. If you don't have, I don't, why do we say skin in the game? But, but that's what they say. Yeah. If, if it doesn't call, if it doesn't hurt you a little bit, you're not into it. Right. Um, you have to invest. Yeah. Yeah. So it's why I tell our pastor stop meeting with people multiple times. Make them go to a therapist that's and right. pay. I mean. You know, of course you're not going to listen to me. This is for free. You're, mm-hmm. you're willing to waste my time. So, so set that up, take that class. You and your husband have to be on the same page. And let's just be honest. Not all of us are good at everything. And a lot of people aren't good at money, including our politicians. Oh my gosh. So you got to learn. Here's what I would say. Um, I would just calculate how many times a week are you listening to sandals, learning from sandals and figure it out. So here's what we do. We tithe to the place that God's name is honored. So, um, you know, if, if you're doing 50, 50, I would do that eventually though. I think you need to choose, you need to be all in somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, ultimately here's what I would do. Tammy and I wouldn't take away from Sandals church. We would give over and above to another church, but you're not in that situation yet. So that's what I would do. Whenever I visit a church, I always give an offering. Mm-hmm. I never go to a church and don't give. I think that's wrong. I've been blessed with a message. I give, I don't take away from sandals because you know we have that on auto pay Mm -hmm. but that's me Mm -hmm. and i'm doing pretty good so yeah i mean i i I hear these people i can't afford tammy and i couldn't afford it early on we've been so blessed we live humble lives like if you guys saw the house that we are living in right now you would crack up it is so tiny we don't care yeah like we're blessed we're doing great the world's falling apart financially tammy and i are fine Mm -hmm. because we trust god with our money and god has blessed us and i want everybody experiencing that blessing so so why do I tithe? Real quickly, Abraham started it. Uh, Moses commanded it. We're not under that law. But here's the thing. Malachi says God blesses mm-hmm. it. I want God's blessing. Jesus says in Luke 23, you should tithe. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So, and then ultimately my church needs it. Um, you know, I, 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 you know I, I wish that Tammy and I weren't one of our top givers. We are. So that's a, that's a title that's awesome. that I would love to not have <laughs> because I know there's people in this church that make way yeah. more money than I do. We just, just have different priorities and I try not to judge, pray mm-hmm. for me, but I know, I know what people give and it's, it's not what you think. Mm. So, so that's what I would say. That's a great question. That's a great, you got to start somewhere. And again, and you, here's the thing is you think your giving doesn't matter. You would be amazed if everyone in our church who gives zero started something. giving something we would never have to ask for money. Mm. And that's the thing that, you know, can I just vent? Yes. People say churches are all about money. And I say, that's because people are all about money. Mm-hmm. And I wish I didn't have to beg you to give to God, but I do. And, you know, now for some people, they're new. They don't know. Okay. You, now, you know, you need to start. Uh, tithing literally means 10th in Hebrew. Yeah. So that's what it means. So that's where, where the number 10% comes from. Now we can argue, you know, on the gross, on the net, look, that's between you and the Lord. Give, give whatever give you God. want. Yeah. yeah. Give to God. And so, um, you know, you, you got to figure that out. And, you know, I don't want to build the church and have your family starving. And, you know, there's no, I mean, this is how it works. Like yeah. <laughs> nobody else is giving to the church of no. God, you know, like we're not getting checks from no, we, yeah. some whatever corporation or somewhere. Taxes, or yeah. Ta- yeah. This is God is commanded all of us to do this. We're doing this together. So your part matters. Your portion matters. Be a contributor to the house of God. And um, I love that you said, I will not give God less. No. 
than Abraham. Abraham gave Melchizedek, yeah. I, yeah. That'll preach right there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, who died? Who died for you on the cross, Melchizedek <laughs> or Jesus? On. That is a word. I think that's powerful. And I and give y'all give yeah. to the Lord, yeah. give to the house of God. I mean, that is our priorities, like you said. And I'm convicted with the subscriptions. I know y'all have uh, HBO Max, Paramount Plus. They get us. Yeah, uh, friendly TV. I have that one too. Netflix. We finally get rid of Hulu, but I need to cancel some more because mm-hmm. then you can give more to God. Yeah. And that's the thing is you, you got to go through, those are difficult conversations. You got to go through and talk about that. I mean, some of you got gym memberships that you haven't been in the gym in right. 10 years, but you go to, but you go to the, one. you go to the church every week and <laughs> you give right. zip. Come on. Yeah. And so you don't know. do it friends. Come on. We can do this together. Like this is, this is how the church, this is, I, I believe I said it a couple of weeks ago, the local church, I believe with Jesus, Jesus, I said it afterward, but Jesus is the hope of the world, but it's through the local church. Well, and let's go back to Ephesians. Jesus and the church are one. Yeah. So you cannot love Jesus and starve his church. That's right. That's so good. Like you you cannot, you know, because no one hates their own body. Many Christians do. Hmm. They hate the body of Christ. Yeah. They, they can't stand him. They don't feed him. They don't clothe him. And, and let me just say, I wrote this uh, Bible Hmm. study a couple years ago for, um, I think it was Lifeway. And you know the passage, you know, when did I see you naked? Mm -hmm. When did I see you clothed? When did I see you in prison? That has nothing to do with homeless. Mm. It has nothing to do with people in prison. It's the church. Wow. He's talking about the church. Mm. And I... Lifeway kicked that back and they were, oh, this is, I said, (laughs) I said, this is what it says. And so it went to committee and of course I was right. But we've so, we've so predetermined what that verse Mm. means. What he's talking about is not some dude in prison. And and I'm not saying if if you're in prison and you're listening to this, we love you. Yeah. But we need to be concerned about people who are in prison for the sake of the kingdom. Right. Not because you robbed a 7-Eleven. Right. Like there are people who are in prison because they preach the name of Jesus and they are naked and hungry and imprisoned. They're the church and we've done nothing about it. Mm. And, you know, that's who we that's are to care one. for. We, you know, the least of these is not random. It's the church, the least of these. It's the last person we think about. And so here's the the dirty secret on mega church. People think mega churches have lots of money. No, we have lots of bills. Lots of bills. And statistically speaking, the smaller the church, the better the giving. Mm -hmm. The bigger the church, the less the giving. That's right. Because people don't think, oh, I need to contribute. And we live in a culture where people want everything um, for free. And so- um, And you know, it's, I just, I forget who said it, but it's in the house. Like everything that Sandals needs to run Sandals in all of our campuses and all of us being impacted and- uh, the Hill Center yeah, yeah. could be funded completely by what's in the house, yeah. what is in all of these houses. And so we have to do these extra fund, which is fantastic. You guys did great on Giving Tuesday. Um, but we have to do these things because God's people won't give. Yeah. So here's the thing that's amazing. Our largest donations came from people outside of Sandals. Stop. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. I, and it's not, it's not even close. Like six-figure gifts came from people outside wow. of our church. So now some of that is they're not already giving. Sure. They're not already tithing. So I need, right. I need to have grace Somewhere for that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some of it is, you know, people just don't realize one of the great sins of the church is they can only see their community. Mm. They can't see beyond their community. 
And when I drive through San Bernardino, I have multiple emotions, you know, so on the 215, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I, I feel, I feel embarrassed as an American when I see the level of poverty. I mean, the tent cities, I watched women bathing and showering, you know, like, well, I wasn't watching them showering, but they were, they were going behind and I'm sure. assuming they were, they right. were cleaning themselves. Uh -huh. And I, it just, it broke my heart. Um, I mean, it, 9th Street in San Bernardino looks like third world. Yeah, no, it is, it is jaw dropping what's happening. And, uh, you know, I have a bunch of friends who are Orange County pastors and they're talking about the great needs in OC. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, come, come East, my friends. Yeah. And you will see things that I never, ever thought mm -hmm. I would see. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and a part of that is we need to be involved in politics. We need to get involved, um, and again, we need to deal. That's why I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with addiction when we we come to the do not be drunk with wine. We have to start dealing with addiction. Mm -hmm. You cannot live in a free society. You know, I forgot who it says we need to have the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast and the Statue of Responsibility on the West Coast. <laughs> That's good because you cannot have freedom without rules. Right. And we 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 are living in a world where we say you can do whatever you want, but there are consequences. And and uh, I'm gonna ruin my sermon. But there are three things. Look, life is hard. Um, drugs and alcohol make it worse. Addiction makes it impossible. Mm -hmm. So when I say that in my sermon, you all need to amen. Yeah. Life is hard. Drugs and alcohol make it worse. <laughs> Addiction makes life impossible. Hmm. And and if you, and man, I don't care if you're, a, what do they call it? A dry, what, what do you call it when you're a like drunk? A dry drunk. Well, no, no, you can still work. You're still, you haven't lost oh, everything. High functioning, high functioning whatever, alcoholic. alcoholic okay, that is, that is a short fuse. And at some point you will not be functioning. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had a good friend of mine, man, that was just struggling. And I took him out to lunch. I said, you're an alcoholic and his jaw dropped. <laughs> and, and we didn't, we didn't speak for three mm. months afterwards, but he died drunk within a year. Wow. So, and it, and it broke my heart and, um, man, it's tough. It's tough to love somebody who's battling And this, this person was amazing, but had just an addiction that. Yeah, that ultimately uh, affected, you know, his life ending way too short. And so, man, it's tough. It's so, so tough. But um, love you guys. This is a deep yeah, episode. This is good. Love it. All right. So we have another question here from Ashley in Riverside. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Ash. Um, my husband and I are newly married and we both share the responsibilities of cooking, cleaning, laundry, etc. We often get comments from his mom that I as a wife should be in charge of those duties, not <laughs> Him. Love mother-in-law. I work and go to school full time and need support from my husband in these areas. Sometimes how should my husband and I navigate the comments from a family regarding our roles in marriage? Yeah. Your, your husband needs to speak to his mom mm -hmm. and I'm going to say probably multiple times. I love my mom. She needs multiple conversations <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know what it is about mother-in-laws. I don't get it. Uh, man, you know, <laughs> I love my mom. I love my mother's wife. of sons, dude. It is a full time <laughs> job because uh, my mom's famous comment is, wouldn't you rather? And I'm like, please don't ever say that. So um, it, it's just something that you have to deal with. And again, your mom is growing up in a time that doesn't exist in a culture that isn't yours. And so, you know, so many of these roles of, of what a woman is are not biblical. Go and read Proverbs 31. That woman is handling her business and uh, she is working. She is doing things, mm -hmm. and so um, you just you just need to say, okay, here's here's our vision. You know, 
Uh, so And so, you know, tell him to be respectful. Thank you for your input, mom. I appreciate that. But this is what we're doing. This is what we're called to. And there is no biblical verse for a woman to cook. Like, that's just <laughs> not the reality, especially Some like- Some of if, y'all can't cook. Oh, man, dude. <laughs> like my grandmother, God rest her soul, she couldn't cook cardboard and- it was rough, but you know what? My wife, my wife wasn't a great cook when we got married either. And she is fantastic now. Like she hates it. She's like, let's go out to dinner. I'm like, why? No one can cook as good as you. Mm. I have a lot of allergies on my maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, she, she just is a fantastic cook. And so, um, I'm a good barbecue. So what I try to do is I just try to help out. And, and I just, again, you got to deal with your in-laws. And so we're going to, you know, we're going to have that sermon on, on boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so true love can have real boundaries. And part of that is just speaking up. And and if your husband won't do it, here's what you tell your husband, you say something, or I'm going to say something. Mm -hmm. And if you say something, let me tell you, it is going to be world war three, but he will be motivated. Mm -hmm. He will be motivated, um, you know, to communicate to his mother. And, um, and, and I, I might say it like this, you know, when your mom speaks into how we uh, handle our marriage, it really turns me off. I would really, I think that would motivate him <laughs> to quickly <laughs> Correct deal situation. with that situation. Remember our sermon last week, men are very basic animals. They want to <laughs> yeah. eat, they want to have peace and they're hoping, they're hoping <laughs> yeah. for some lovemaking. At some point. Yeah. At some point, man. Right. A man can dream. So th that's what I would say is, is use, don't be manipulative, but, mm -hmm. but encourage with hope. That was good. Yeah. That was a great answer. Awesome. All right. We have another one. Let's keep rolling. Angie in Riverside says in Ephesians 612. Oh, this is so good. Okay. Ephesians, Ephesians 612 states, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right. But against the rulers, against the authorities. I'm reading it slow so you can get to your notes against yeah. the powers of this dark Greek. world. 612. Yes, sir. And against the spiritual forces of evil in mm -hmm. the heavenly realms. Can you explain the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly in the heavenly realms, is there evil in heaven? Yeah, there must be. So um, I'm looking at it in Greek, and so it specifically says uh, eporanos, uh, which is heaven, heavens, um, mm -hmm. not sky, but but uh, as Paul says, the third heaven. So mm -hmm. if you don't understand what that means, um, heaven in Hebrew means sky, space, and then where God is. So they have, there's like three levels. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Mormon church has gone a little crazy with that, but um, it just means the heaven where God is. And so, mm -hmm. you know, God is not like on a planet in space, but in a a realm beyond that. Mm -hmm. And so it's just looking out. But yeah, it says our, our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against, and these are personal things, mm -hmm. against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against, so so that's this world. So there are, there's evil in in this world and against spiritual forces in the heavenly world realms and those forces are at work in us. And so I would just say that's the devil. Um, you know, we, we don't understand um, exactly how that works out again, how that's where we get in trouble. Mm -hmm. We do know that the devil accuses the brethren mm -hmm. daily. That's mm -hmm. what he does. Uh, devil means accuser. He is the person who comes against us. And so a lot of people think that God judges us, but it is the devil that is right that is constantly throwing up all of our sins in mm -hmm. the face of God mm -hmm. and really challenging God's goodness and mm -hmm. justice. How long will you allow this to happen? And so, um, you know, during the time of Jesus, uh, Jewish culture got really into this, really into angels, really into against powers and principalities. They named some of them. So in our Christian Bible, we have Michael and uh, who's the other one? 
Gabriel. Gabriel named, but there are other names uh, mm-hmm. that is in Tobit. We have another angel that is named. Uh, I believe that there's four. Uh, one of them is a Ninja Turtle. I can't remember which one of them. <laughs> no. Um, Donatello. We're all naming all of them. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. So you have to read it in Tobit, which is in the apocryphal scriptures. So if you go buy a Catholic Bible, you can read those. And mm-hmm. so apocryphal means hidden. The Catholic Church places them between the between the end of what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament, but they are fascinating. I particularly love uh, Maccabees chapter 2, or the second book of Maccabees is one of my favorite one because it's really where you begin to see the resurrection take place, uh, mm. the, the theology of the resurrection. And so a lot of people say, well, where is resurrection in the Old Testament? It's a struggle to see, uh, but boy, you see it come mm. clear in Maccabees, in Second Maccabees uh, specifically, which is alluded to in the list of the faithful in Hebrews chapter 11. Mm-hmm. So Hebrews chapter 11, some of them um, suffered for a better resurrection. That is quoting Maccabees. Wow. So, um, you know, some of, of what early Jews would have thought was scripture ultimately did not make it into our Bible, but there still are amazing books. I've read them all. Uh, I've appreciated them all. But specifically, they got they got really into this cosmic war which is ultimately where I think the gospel of John uh, starts off with, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And it's the light penetrating the darkness. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what, what John is talking about is this whole war that is not just in flesh, but is cosmic. Mm -hmm. And that's what people don't understand. It's actually what led C.S. Lewis to Christ. It's when he realized that Christianity had an explanation, not just for what's wrong on earth, but what what's wrong in the heavens. Mm. And so, um, and again, there are other verses that allude that when Christ returns, he will not just restore earth, but listen to this, there will be a new heaven yeah, and right. a new earth and everything that is thrown down will be remade and everything will be resurrected and everything will be made right. So the fall of man is not just the story of the fall of man, but it's the fall of heaven, the fall of one third of the angels, the fall of Satan. All of these things will be made right, and ultimately Satan will be imprisoned forever in the pit of darkness. Um, you know that that where he falls forever and is mm-hmm. destroyed forever. And so, um, so yeah, there is a battle, man. I mean, this mm-hmm. Christianity is far bigger than you think. It's mm-hmm. greater than you think, and it's so sad that um, you know Christians haven't harnessed this better. I think C.S. Lewis tried, Tolkien tried. Uh, to explain these um, these narratives and these struggles against evil in fantasy. And again, you know, I think fantasy is so important, uh, especially for children, and to understand that, um, you know, there's more, there's more to this story than we know. Yeah. Again, the verse that you quoted, we now see things dimly, mm-hmm. darkly. Um, we don't see it the way that we want. But yes, there there is evil. It will be cast down. It will be dealt with. Um and again, ultimately, the day of judgment is not just for us. Right. The Apostle Paul says we will judge angels. angels. Yeah. Who? Fallen angels. Mm-hmm. Who? These angels that were spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the question that I can't answer is, are they currently in heavenly realms or are they from heavenly realms? And so that's that's mm-hmm. where I don't know. So what he does say, though, is therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, so these things are coming for you, coming mm-hmm. for your marriage, coming for your children, coming for your work relationship. And so, you know, I can't I can't completely cover, you know, the issue of slavery that Paul talks about because it's just a reality within his culture. And, um, you know, but we don't have that now, at least not in America. It is in some places. But um, 
you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to deal with it. Cause I just don't think it, tra- I don't think it translates perfectly mm-hmm. to work. And so I just kind of toss it out. And some of you, you know, who are truly offended that the apostle Paul didn't condemn slavery. He is in a very, very articulate way. And so, um, you know, slaves had no rights, you know, um, they, they, they had no say at all, but listen to this in Ephesians 6, nine, and masters treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know, um, that he who is both their master is yours in heaven mm-hmm. and there is no favoritism. So there will be no slavery mm-hmm. in heaven and, and on earth. And so Paul is subtly mm-hmm. challenging. And so, um, you know, he, he's pushing both ways and this is difficult for us, especially with American slavery, but you guys have to understand Christianity is this tiny sect and Jews aren't even free. Mm-hmm. The, na- the nation of Israel is a conquered people. Everybody's conquered by Rome. Everybody's living under the, the oppression of what Rome is. And so Paul is just saying, look, this is how we treat each other. And mm-hmm. this is what so many Christians miss. How do we treat each other? We're not responsible for the political sins of our day. We're responsible for how we treat each other. And so in the ancient world, in, uh, uh, I was going to say in Italian, but in Roman, I mean, uh, the same word for urinate and ejaculate, same word. Hmm. So as a slave, you, you were used for oh, whatever. And the mm-hmm. apostle Paul says, no, 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 no. That slave has intrinsic value. Mm. They are a child of God and a brother or mm-hmm. sister in Christ. And they have the same master that you do. People miss what Paul is saying. And it's beautiful. And oh, by the way, our challenges with each other are not flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Um, they are spiritual in nature. And we need to remember that. And so um, these these forces that are in heaven that are extraordinarily powerful and dark to the core. This is one of the things that I think we've missed. We're, we're so focused on Disney's sexualization of our young people, which is bad. I think the thing we all missed was when they started doing these backstories on evil characters. Yeah. And they're not really evil. Mm-hmm. But, oh, they were mistreated. Mm-hmm. They were misunderstood. There's a great book out by um, M. Scott Peck, and it's called People of the Lie. And he says that the church needs to name evil. It's why we haven't dealt with priests that abuse, pastors that abuse, hmm. because we can't say something's evil. Sometimes things are just, just evil. evil, and they're not meant to be saved. I mean, I think about um, our opening with Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> yeah. You know, people say, well, you doubt the grace of God. No, I I doubt the confession Mm -hmm. of Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't believe evil. Evil lies. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't trust that. And so I trust the grace of God, but I do not trust someone Mm. who can murder someone and eat them and serve them to Mm -hmm. their neighbors. Mm -hmm. That's beyond me. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but, uh, you know, we have a hard time with that. And this evil in heaven is affecting us on earth. It tempted Eve and mm-hmm. it tempts us every single yeah. day. I think it's, um, and I think, I, I think it was a sermon a couple of weeks ago. I'm all over the place with that. I have so many thoughts in my head right now, but Sorry. it, no, no, no. It's so good. Um, how sometimes we miss it, right? We think our battle yeah. is with each other and not realizing that there are legit spiritual forces in heavenly places. I think about Daniel. That's the other thing I was thinking. And and when you were talking about this, Mm -hmm. this cosmic war Mm -hmm. um, of evil, it's happening. And people are kind of like, like living their lives and not realizing stuff is happening and the enemy's accusing us. Mm -hmm. And man, so good. Jesus is winning. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So finally be strong in the Lord Mm -hmm. and his mighty power. So you put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Yeah, that's good. So Oftentimes, 
the mistake that Christians have made is we want to stand for others. We need to learn to stand ourselves, mm-hmm. take our stand against the devil's schemes. Mm-hmm. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, like she said, mm-hmm. but against the rulers, the authorities, right. the powers of this dark world. And so um, you need a different armor to fight a different fight. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have this, so put on the full armor of God so that when the evil, evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. Stand firm mm-hmm. then with the belt of truth. Right. What's the number one thing that's attacked today? That's what right. truth. is truth? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's just so amazing. The breastplate of righteousness. Think about your heart. Mm-hmm. So many of us, you know, um, we, we fail to, to be accountable for what we've chosen to love. Mm-hmm. And with your feet mm. fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, I think we're so quick to attack, but we don't stand for peace mm-hmm. in the church. Um, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. One of my favorite scenes of all time uh, is the opening scene of Gladiator. <laughs> and you realize what Rome had and how yeah. terrifying that was. And so the apostle Paul had probably seen that. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, look, the devil can shoot that at you. And you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil mm-hmm. one. Man, Rome was terrifying. And take the helmet of salvation, right, to guard your your um, your mind. Then, now we get to the sword, our offensive weapon, mm-hmm. which is the word of God. But you put the word of God in, in, in somebody's hands that's not girded with truth. Right. That's not girded with peace. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have their head and heart covered, man, they're a dangerous mm-hmm. thing. And unfortunately, the church has had extraordinarily unhealthy, at times evil people, um, just to just do terrible things. I used to be a huge fan of this scary show in the nineties. It was called the X-Files. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple episodes that just stand out, but, but one of the episodes, and so the X-Files are all the things the FBI has to investigate that don't make any logical sense. Mm-hmm. And so they send a scientist and kind of this weirdo believer who thinks his <laughs> do- his sister was kidnapped by aliens, but they go to this church and there's all these murders and mm-hmm. they can't figure it out and they can't make sense of it. And at the end of the episode, Mulder, the lead character, he knows something's wrong, but he can't make sense of it. And they leave the church and the pastor sitting sitting behind his desk as they leave, opens his drawer, pulls out a mouse. And he goes like this and a snake comes out of his mouth and swallows the mouse. Wow. He's the devil. Yeah. Uh, And he's he's the devil sitting Hmm. in the seat of God. And what does Paul say? For wolves will rise amongst mm-hmm. yourselves to devour yeah. the sheep. That's Acts chapter 28. And um, oftentimes these pastors that are so angry and so against the world are covering hmm. their own sin. Right? True that. So, so if we're on the attack, you're not going to notice me and notice what I'm doing. And, um, you know, like uh, another one of my pastor friends, man, just, you know, lost his marriage, you know, stepped down and... I was I was talking with Pastor Dan Zambardi. I was like, I don't even, I don't even understand how I would fit in an affair into my life. Like, I don't know where I get I I don't know where I get that time. Like, I don't. I, how do I yeah. start that conversation? Hey, I'd really like to. Right. I'd really like to partner with you in being against everything that I believe and teach mm-hmm. for twenty five years. Would you be willing to participate? I, I don't. I don't get that in that. Like, I have a hard enough time to remember like what I actually did during the day to communicate to my wife. I can't imagine managing like, I I just, I don't, I don't get this, Hmm. but you know, oftentimes what these guys are doing is we're, we're, we're we're focusing our church's attention on others evil so that they don't notice and see what we're doing in ourselves. And then I think as a church, we cover it because, Oh, well, the work they're doing is so important. And that's why I said, was it a couple weeks ago? And I said, we will not cover sin Mm -hmm. to protect the image of Sandals church. 
And, um, and I just, I, I'm a firm believer in this. There's no covering anymore. Mm. The truth, like the, the truth, like you used to be able to have a secret life. That, no. that does <laughs> yeah. not, like my wife knows where I am digitally at all times. Yeah. Like she like life 360s mm-hmm. me. Like she knows where I am, what I'm doing. And I just, I don't get these people. Like I just don't get, did you hear about that? The, that morning show? They had to cancel the show today oh, because the married couple because they were having an affair with yeah. each other. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Now you lost your job. Right. Now you screwed up your marriage. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like, man, it's just it's just better to to be at home, and uh, it just is. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> you know, work out work out your crap at home and deal with it, and then enjoy each other. And That's so, right. uh, marriage is not always easy, but it, but it's worth it. And um, I don't know. I just I just don't understand these mm-hmm. pastors today that. I don't know. I just, I, you know, I, a, I don't want to hurt my wife. Yeah. I don't want to embarrass myself and mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt our beautiful church. Mm-hmm. Like I love this church and um, I love these people. And I just, I just, I don't know. My, my friend that failed was really good guy. At least I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. It just really broke my heart this week. So. Well, this is so good. This, these have been amazing. Yeah. What a great discussion that we've had. Um, This is our final episode of the season. Yeah. See you in January. Yeah. See you in January. This has been so good. Thank you so much for all of your time and your effort. Um, I know you guys listen like I do and you're like, Pastor Matt answers a question and then it's like, what, what, where did that, you know, he's kind of an encyclopedia young people. That's like Google in a book, Uh, (laughs) but um, it's been so good. So thank you for all of your time, your effort, your studying, your devotion to God. We appreciate that so much. And what, what have you thought about this season? I've loved it. You know, it's been great. And again, if you guys can do me a favor is I don't mind spending the time, but I want it to have an impact. So mm-hmm. share this with your friends, mm-hmm. um, share this podcast with people. There, there's a lot of uh, pseudo Christian teaching that's going around. And, and, and then there's a lot of, I think kind of my way is the only way Christian teaching that's mm-hmm. going around. And so what I'm going to try to do on this show is, is I'll try to not just tell you what I think, but what, what people have thought historically. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important. And so, you know, people say, well, just read the Bible and I say, okay, well, um, how has the Bible historically been understood? And then how do I need to apply it to mm-hmm. my day? And so oftentimes people that say just read the Bible are being manipulative mm-hmm. and they're making it say what they want it to say. And so we need to understand historically, you know, what the church has believed, you know, how that's changed through the years or why is it changing now? Yeah. Because oftentimes things have not changed for 2000 years, but it is changing now. And not because the scriptures have changed, but because culture has mm-hmm. changed. And I think that's important. And it's not easy Um to always understand the word of God. Mm-hmm. It's not, that's why we need to work together. And I've been studying this now for 25 years, giving it my best. Uh, and I love, sometimes you guys ask questions and I don't know. And so I mm-hmm. have to, I have to dig deep to figure out, okay, what what is it? And so I learn in this yeah. and I grow in this. And so I'm thankful for the great questions and I will do my best to answer these questions. Um, you know, cause I think it's one thing. And for every young seminary student, you know, throwing darts at my picture on the wall as you listen to this. <laughs> it's really easy to study theology in seminary and in school, divorced of the context of real people. Hmm. But, you know, I've had 25 years of having a theology of LGBTQ and looking LGBTQ people in the face in my church that I love and I care for. And there's a real heart and there's a real soul hmm. and a real person seeking God. And you don't get that in school. Mm-hmm. And so I've really had to wrestle through with what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's easy to have a theology on divorce. Um, and then you have to, you have to look at 
somebody that goes through that yeah. and the trauma. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that Jesus cares both about truth, biblical truth, but he also cares deeply about grace for That's people. Right. And we have to have a love for God and we have to have a love for people. And one of the things that I've noticed that makes me different from many pastors is I think I have a love for both. And some pastors tend to, you know, if you just have a love for God, you forget scripture. Or excuse me. If you just have a love for people, you forget scripture. And if you just have a love for God, you forget people mm-hmm. and you become a Pharisee. And you need both. And um, I think Jesus, that's why he's the God man. Mm-hmm. He's both biblically, biblical truth and, yeah, and he is compassionate yep. to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully this show is growing all of us. Mm-hmm. And again, God is not going to microwave your faith. You that's have good. to study it every day and grow through this. And and uh, and again, if you don't stay in it, you lose it. That's yeah. that's the thing about knowledge, man. And when you, when you, you don't just move on from something, you mm-hmm. have to stay in it and grow in it. And that's important. So I love all you guys. Merry Christmas. Thank you. I know this has challenged me. It has grown me. Hopefully this, this, um, podcast is doing the same for you. Please share, please share, please give. Let's talk about that again. Uh, (laughs) please give, if this is blessing you, then share, invest in it. Um, so that it can be shared with others as well. Thank you so much for watching on YouTube or if you're watching via podcast or listening, you're not watching via podcast, but if you're listening via podcast, thank you so much for listening. Um, this has been great. We'll have, have a great holiday season and we'll see you on the next season. Bye. Hey, thanks for checking out the debrief podcast with Matt Brown. The debrief podcast is produced by Sandals Church and is a show where Matt Brown answers questions on faith and culture. If you've enjoyed the debrief and want to help us create more content that helps people grow in their faith and in their journey of being real, I want to invite you to visit donate.sc. Thanks for joining us and God bless.